So I went on the Google this week, meaning I'm going to need my wife to help me through the app and the, the, all of that too. So men, don't, don't, don't uh, be afraid to ask for, for help. But I, I Googled the top 10 events in the history of mankind. Let me give you a few of them. The first one was the discovery of fire. Important, right? To, to know how to have fire, to cook your food and so forth. Um, some of you are going to love this. The domestication of dogs. Like, I'm not sure why that made it on here, but you dog lovers know why. The invention of the alphabet. The invention of the wheel comes in handy. The creation of religion came in as the top most important events. People trying to process purpose, life, creation, etc. The advent of timekeeping. The printing press pretty important, the Renaissance, and then the Industrial Revolution all came in there. Now, I think they're missing one. <laughs> I'm going to get to that here in just a second. Then I, then I googled the top 10 people who changed the world in human history. Jesus came in third place. The bronze medal, according to, to my, my research here. I'm going to beg to differ a little bit with both on that. And Today, we're celebrating the greatest person in the history of mankind, and we're celebrating the greatest event in history. His death and resurrection split time in two. You know, you have B.C. and A.D. because of the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus. He did a, a reversal for the human race. Man, we got ourselves into a mess, right? But Jesus came to reverse that, to defeat death and sin and the evil one. And it's really the resurrection and ascension of Jesus is the beginning of the end. We always talk about, are we in the end times? Well, we've been in the end times since Jesus went back to the Father. Now, he could return at any, any moment, but, and there are definitely things to look for. But we've been in the end times since he ascended. And a couple weeks ago, I had this... Um, kind of mental illustration of what the cross and the resurrection of Jesus did in history. And I saw a thing of dominoes going in a long, long direction. And in the middle was a red domino. And when that domino fell, it echoed into eternity past and it echoed into eternity future. What's going to happen? It's just, it's, it's the pivotal point of everything is the death and resurrection of Jesus. So being the zealous guy that I am, I went to Travis Pander and I said, hey, can you make me a video of that? And so he, he made a video that I want to be, I want it to be in your minds, a picture of how impactful Jesus was into eternity past and eternity future. Here's his work. They didn't all fall. <laughs> Did it freeze up? Oh, it always happens at Easter or Christmas Eve or something. He worked. You want to try it again? See if it works? We need a do-over. Okie dokie. <laughs> you get the picture, right? 
they actually do fall. And it actually really happened. So, dang devil. Devil shows up in the AV booth all the time. <laughs> they got to fight him off. Um, I want to talk about the greatest event in history, the great, greatest event in his story, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus says in John 11, verses 25 and 26, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. The context of this powerful statement that Jesus makes is he was at a funeral. And in the Jewish culture, when someone would die, they, they call it sitting shiva. Don't say that too fast. You might get in trouble. But sitting shiva. And for two weeks, people would, would mourn and grieve with those who lost a loved one. And they would come and bring meals and so forth. So Jesus' friend Lazarus had died. And he's coming with, uh, he's about to do a miracle. He's going to raise Lazarus from the grave. He's in, buried in, in the grave clothes and in the tomb. And Jesus shows up and Lazarus' sister Martha comes to him and meets him and says, oh, she was glad to see him. She said, if you just would have been here, then, then you could have healed him. And that's when Jesus makes the statement that he's the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, though they die, they're going to live. Death becomes a doorway into the life to come. And he asks her, do you believe this? And she says, I do. I think that's important. Jesus comes into a a hopeless situation, and he sees it as an opportunity to show his disciples, to show people who he really was in raising Lazarus from the grave. And it, that whole story is amazing. Jesus knew he was going to do the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And yet when he saw all the people grieving, it says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in all of Scripture is Jesus wept. He was, and then it says anger welled up on the inside of him. He was mad at death. He knew he was on a mission to destroy the power of death. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, and the early church began to explode with this good news of the gospel, um, Jesus takes a man named Paul who was persecuting the church. He, he was a, a Pharisee, and he thought, what is this new sect called the way? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop this before it gets too out of hand. So he was persecuting and killing Christians. Well, just like Jesus, he takes someone who's at enmity with him and turns him into the greatest mouthpiece of the gospel you know, in history. And he transforms him, and Paul goes throughout the world and telling people about the risen Jesus. So about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, he writes to this church in Corinth, which is still a city in modern-day Greece, in 1 Corinthians. And he says, Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. 
Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at a wrong time, I also saw him. For I am least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Let me mention it again. This is 20 years after Jesus rose from the grave. 20 years is not long enough for something to become a legend, you know, or a fairy tale. My kids are in their 20s, you know, and I mean, you remember when they were little, the day they were born, like it was yesterday. I mean, little thing, it's just 20 years is not a long time to to forget things, right? So keep that in mind. And if this event of the resurrection of Jesus is true, then there's no way to overstate its importance. There's no way to overstate it. This is the, the, the crux that our, all of our faith holds on to. It's not that Jesus just d- died, but that he rose again. That's what Christie was explaining. So our faith is based upon an event, a historic, actual event. 500 people saw him. If you bring 500 people in a court of law, that's a with that many witnesses, that case is closed, man. It's a done deal. 500 witnesses. So like that domino illustration, the event of the death and resurrection of Jesus changed everything. What does that require of you and I? What does the death and resurrection of Jesus require of us? It requires us to come into agreement with him, to come into agreement with him that we don't make him Lord. We don't make him savior. He's already those things. We say, I agree with you, Jesus. I'm with you and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to build my life on you. So a couple, couple things on the greatest event in history that we can hold on to. The first one is because of Christ's resurrection, I can now face my past with confidence. I don't know about you, but I have some things in my past that I'm not proud of. Brings regret, brings shame. Most people have that. Most people have some sort of thing in your life and you're like, man, that brings me shame. Brings me regret. Well, I got good news. The resurrection of Jesus assures us of God's forgiveness. A lot of times we have a hard time forgiving ourselves for things that were our failures and stuff. And we're we're harder on ourselves sometimes. And we need to realize that God is always in the business of forgiving sins and showing mercy. There's not anywhere in all 66 books of Scripture will you ever find God turning away a repentant person for their sin. You'll never find it. So if Jesus had stayed in the ground, in the grave, He would have just died a martyr. And we wouldn't have any assurance about our forgiveness. The Apostle Paul, again, to the church at Corinth, he says, if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But he goes on to say, but Christ has been raised. 
He saw him. These witnesses saw him. And the message of Jesus Christ has been transforming lives for the last 2,000 years. Transforming people with terrible pasts and then making them new. Paul says in Romans 4.25, he was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God, to be in right standing with God, to be assured that we know the Father loves us and has embraced us. The resurrection showed that God the Father had accepted what had happened on the cross. Assurance would be pride. It would be prideful if it was based upon me. Like, oh, I work so hard for God or I do this. That'd be pride. None of us claim that. But it's based on Jesus. It's based on Christ. Second thing is, because of Christ's resurrection, I can face present situations with courage. There are people going through difficult circumstances all the time. In this room and watching online, there are questions of, can God heal me? Can God heal this relationship? Can He really meet my needs? And I say this, if He can raise someone from the dead and bring them back to life, He can handle your financial need. He can end a relationship. He can heal. He can do anything. The resurrection of Jesus assures us of God's power. Assures us of God's power. Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing another church that he had started, and he's basically praying for them. If you don't know how to pray, or you're not accustomed to praying, you can just pray Paul's prayers over yourself and in your family and, and whoever. But he prays for them, and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the, in the age to come. Man, pray that over yourself. Pray that over your family. Pray that over your spouse. Paul, later in Romans, says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Do you believe that today? We need to believe that and embrace that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave resides in you and me. We have His power to draw upon. He takes hopeless situations and dead things and He makes them alive and He infuses power. Um, many, many years ago, 30-something at least, I, uh, my baseball career petered out and I was pursuing just whatever could make me happy and I thought I'm gonna grow my hair long like this is the late 80s I'm gonna grow my hair long and we're gonna make a band and that's how I'm gonna find fun right many of you are witnesses to that and I remember um, 
One time we were playing a show at Elitch's, and my dad, who hated hard rock to start with, <laughs> and my long hair, he used to always let me know about it, but he, uh, he came to support me, just like going to a baseball game or something else, even though he didn't like it, he came to support what was going on. And he told me that he is a pretty new Christian himself at this time. And he said while we were, we were jamming out, hair flying around and all of that, shredding guitars, he said that he was praying for me. And he heard the Lord say to him, Scott will make music that glorifies Jesus. So he and his home group got together and for some reason, my musical equipment was stored at my parents' house. And they did a very Pentecostal thing, right? They laid hands on my equipment and anointed it with oil. And they prayed that I would make music that would glorify Jesus. So I don't know how much farther from that time that they prayed over my equipment was, but... We were rocking out in my band and we were downtown at a bar and I was three sheets to the wind and just jamming out hair everywhere and all of a sudden I heard a voice saying, Scott, you should be making music that glorifies Jesus. And I was like, who said what? Like, you're kidding me. And it convicted me. So probably six months to a year later, I gave my life to Jesus. I put my trust in Him. I agreed with Him that He's Savior and Lord. And it's the night of my baptism. It was a Sunday night. And I had written a song with my sister-in-law. And before I got baptized, we played this song at church. And when we're done, I'm getting ready to go change for baptism. My dad's in the back of the church and he's bawling like a baby it's dad like we're, we're good i'm in and he and he, to, he, he 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 told me the story about elitches and that i would make music that would glorify jesus and in that moment i remembered what happened to me when i was playing in the bar when i heard a voice say you should be making music that glorifies jesus that's God's power. That's God's power. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Therefore, we can face present situations. We can continue to pray for broken people, believing for that person. My dad prayed night and day for me to come to follow Jesus. He never gave up on me. So don't, don't give up on what you're believing God for. He's faithful. He's faithful. Last point I want to make is this. Because of Christ's resurrection, I can face the future with faith and hope. Faith and hope. None of us know what the future holds. Like, life can change on a dime, right? We don't know what the future holds. But I got good news. We're trusting in the one who does. We're trusting in the one who holds our future. And he can be trusted because he's faithful and he's good. I wonder what's bringing you fear today. What's bringing you fear today? Is it a broken relationship? Is it health problems, finances? Sometimes we just fear death itself. Like, 
You know, we as believers know that when we die, we go to be with Jesus. But, you know, we get the fear of missing out if we die. And what are we going to leave behind? Or we get, uh, you know, like just it's kind of like Woody Allen said. I've, I wore this joke out, but he said, he said, uh, I don't fear dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Like, I can relate to that, right? And, it, and it's, it's true. But here's the good news. The resurrection of Jesus assures us of God's ultimate triumph. Because Jesus rose from the grave, we can be assured of God's ultimate triumph. We need to learn to live with the end in mind, right? Learning to live with the end in mind both makes us live better, but it also gives us hope to know that there's something beyond this life. And listen, this isn't heaven. The more we try to make this life that we live, the uh, 70, 80, whatever amount of years we're, we're given on average, we got to remember this isn't heaven. That's why you have aches and pains. That's why I have gray hair now. That's why some of you have lost your hair. Like it's, it, we're getting older. And, and it, when you're young, you don't think about that a whole lot. But, but I'm telling you, it goes by like that. The song, Don't Blink, he's not lying. You blink and whoa, you're 20. Blink, whoa, 30, 40, 50, 60. I'm in a home. I mean, it's just it's a, <laughs> cruising down the tracks, man. <laughs> it happens fast. And we have to, we have to remember that. The Apostle Peter, who was an eyewitness to Jesus, he went through a lot of stuff himself. He made a lot of mistakes. I can relate to Peter. He writes to a church that's struggling with being persecuted and suffering. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Remember after Peter denied Jesus three times. It says he wept bitterly. He was, he was in such sorrow. And then he saw the risen Jesus. I think his life was changed just a little bit. And he's doing that for you and me. Death is something that we don't like to talk about a whole lot, but it's a destiny. Like none of us are getting out of here alive. It's a guarantee. We're all going to have to face that whenever that day comes. Death is also an enemy. Jesus, Jesus went through death to overcome it, to defeat it. He experienced agony and the pain to destroy it and to take that power away from death. He did that for us. The Apostle Paul, he also planted a church in a, a town called Thessalonica. We have two letters in the New Testament to the Thessalonians. And 
in the Thessalonian church, there were people who, who were dying. And they began to wonder, like, Jesus hasn't returned and people are dying. Their theology wasn't very good. And it, it, they, were, they were wondering, like, well, did we miss it? Did we, did we get left behind? What's going on here? And he writes to them to encourage them about what's, what happens to folks that, that die in the Lord. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's crazy to think about, but there's, there is a group of people Believers that aren't going to experience death the way everybody else does. Because he's saying those who, who die in Christ, they go to be with Jesus in heaven. And when Jesus returns, those believers are coming with him. And in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to give them their resurrected, glorified body. And if you happen to be alive at the return of Jesus... Those people he's saying aren't going to experience death. They'll just be transformed. Either way, it's a new body. It's resurrection power. It's with the Lord forever. And he says, encourage one another with this promise. When our hope is in him, we can be assured of our own resurrection because of what we're celebrating today. I read a quote the other day that really hit me. He said, this guy said, it takes the whole road to and in, to and through death to become human. Surviving it isn't part of the equation. Resurrection is. As I bring this to a close, I want to say this again. Faith is coming into agreement with Jesus that He is Savior and He's Lord. And I want you to know today, you are deeply, deeply loved by your Creator. You have a Heavenly Father who is willing to give His one and only Son for you. You have a Savior who was willing to sacrifice Himself unto death. And then now gives us His Holy Spirit, God with us all the time. Now, what calls for this, you read through the Gospels and you, you just see life that this beautiful message of, called the Gospel, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, calls for a decision. It calls for an act of our will to say, Jesus, I agree with you. I don't understand all of this, but I'm going to trust you as Lord and Savior. When I became a Christian, I didn't know diddly about the Bible or anything else. I just knew I was with him. And it's a lifelong journey to say, I trust you, 
putting my faith in you and I want to walk with you. I want to build my life on you, Jesus. Not the things of the world and the pursuits of the world. I want to build my life on you and work backwards from there. It's an amazing passage of scripture that Paul writes to the Corinthian church in his second letter to them. He says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Wow. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's saying to all of us, be reconciled to me. If you've never made that confession of faith to him, today's the day to do that. Don't put that off. Because you're missing out on what life is really about. Jesus came to give us life and abundant life. All the other things that we're told is the good life, it's not true. We live life building our life on Jesus. And he's inviting us. God's saying, I'm good. My son paid the price. My son sacrificed himself and defeated our enemies. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated. He just wants your heart. Will you stand with me? The good news is really good news. We have hope. We have life. We put our trust in Him. Let's pray together. And if, you've, if you're moved in your heart and you're like, man, I don't know if I've ever made that decision, an act of my will, a choice to say yes to the gospel, then just do that. That's between you and God. A prayer doesn't save you. Walking the aisle doesn't save you. Your faith in Jesus is what we're saved by, we're told. It's grace through faith. It's the gift of God. Lord, we're grateful. And we say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you have done for us. You are the true champion. You're the victor. And we put our faith and our hope and our trust in the gospel and what you've done. And we also say yes to be your follower, that we want to learn to think and act and speak like you do. Lord, we've, we recognize that we've fallen short in so many ways, but we also recognize how patient and good you are to us, grace upon grace. So change our outlook on life to be your outlook on life as we say yes to you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.